Hi, welcome to the Eagle Mount Church podcast. This is part two of our uh, look at Generation Z and what uh, what that means for parents. And so, if if you haven't listened at this point uh, to uh, last week's message, which was from June tenth, I think it would be on the same podcast app or, or in our archives. Uh, I suggest you listen to that first, and then uh, following that, we have part one of our our Gen Z for Parent Resource, but. Uh, this is part two of, of an ongoing series that we're going to be doing, uh, with these youth, uh, we are the youth department, I should say, first of all, uh, Jeff, and I'm here with Jaden and Brennan, and we really just wanted to start this podcast, uh, maybe once every week or so, we're not totally sure exactly how often, we don't want to do it without having actual content, although from the outtakes of what we've already done, done this morning, we're pretty funny. Maybe not in this podcast, but I think that people would enjoy just listening to talk absolute nonsense. We were talking about the Blue Man Group and how they're scary and a whole bunch of other stuff that I think is incredibly interesting and the world needs to hear. But that's going to have to be on a separate show. Um, but basically the, the idea that it, parenting is difficult, uh, culture is, is bizarre, and trying to navigate that is really, 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 really hard if uh, if you're, for us, it's hard, but and we're, we're super, um, engulfed in that world, but, uh, trying to create a podcast that's of reasonable length, uh, to give some, some actual like resources and practical things that parents can use, or, or maybe it's even just making parents aware of what we, uh, what we know or what we've come across just from hanging out with hundreds of teenagers every week. Um, even if we don't want to learn things, we've learned some stuff about culture that you're like, wow. What? What are you guys thinking? Or why are you doing that? Um, so that's really the heart behind it. But yeah, part one was a little longer. This one is probably going to be fairly short. We want to give you guys just some practical tips, basically, about um, engaging your your Gen Z or Gen Z uh, teenagers and children. And Because uh, at the end, of the end of the day, the goal is for these kids uh, to love Jesus when they're 30. And that's obviously beyond that as well, yeah. but that's kind of our goal. Is it's not just about whether they love Jesus in high school or in junior high or in you know, when they're in kids' church. We want people who are serving God when they're out of their young adult years as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. it's not just our goal to get them to come to Fridays or Wednesdays. It's totally we want the best of them. We want them to be Christians for their whole lives. We and we want them there on Sundays. We want them serving. We want them thriving. Um, and that's yeah. and and honestly, we can do. Um, we can help with that, but at the end of the day, the person who has the most power is the parents, um, and that's 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 a fact. We we're a supplement to the raising of your kids. Um, so just newsflash, and I hate to break the news, but we're not going to be able to raise your kids for you. Not that we're getting tons of pressure for that, but um, <laughs> we we can't do it by ourselves. Um, we get a couple hours a week. And then maybe a little bit of online engagement, but realistically, the rest of their lives, parents are there. And so that's why we're taking these opportunities to invest in parents. And we always want to have an open dialogue that we're available for conversation yeah. if there's questions. I don't, we might have to say, you know, I'm not sure I'll have to look into it, but we're willing to, to do the work to look into that. So, um, yeah. Part one, we spent a lot of time looking at stats and facts, and, and we just want to, like I said, go through a couple of um of practical things that you can do to engage your kids um, and to help, uh, number one, have a better relationship with them, but also probably help them to engage in church. 
so let's get started. Let's with, don't want to waste too much time. Keep it nice and short. Um, first thing that we talked about, uh, kids needing to feel, um, being treated like adults is a major element of Generation Z. I think that yeah. that's every generation though. Like I feel like that's something I wanted, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to feel like they're an adult. Um, but one of the, the tips we give is don't helicopter them, meaning don't be over the top. Um, but also like be involved. It's super important to be involved. Mm-hmm. Did you guys ever have any friends that had like crazy helicopter parents? I still yeah, do at 22. <laughs> your, your parents are helicopter parents <laughs> as adults? Yeah. I've seen it. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, like when your kid is a teenager, you need to be training them to be an adult. Because when they step into that, when they whatever, move out or go to college or whatever, they need to be able to adjust to that. So the teenage years are a training ground for being an adult. So sometimes you need to treat them like an adult. And some parents never give their kid that opportunity. And then when they move out, they're, like their kids aren't able to adjust as quick. They're socially like, incompetent. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's really a, a hindrance to life. Like, yeah. But I've also seen the polar opposite of kids who have essentially been living on their own since like 13, who mm-hmm. just have the polar opposite of instead of helicopter parenting, Parents who tried so hard to not be that that they became super uninvolved parents. Yeah, that's that's, that's good. It, and it's very rare you see a good balance. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I had a, a friend. This is when I was quite a bit younger in, in grade three. Was one of my best friends, but his mom was like the most overprotective mom you've ever seen. And he would uh, she would come at recess and like watch over them, oh, like no watch over him play. And so, like, we'd all be playing soccer, and we'd see, like, there's the field was kind of in a in a bowl, like, there's a little bit of a hill, and she'd be, like, standing there with her sunglasses on, with her arms folded, just, like, <laughs> watching us, and we're like, who's oh that gosh. crazy lady? Every recess, she'd come and watch. Yeah, that's... She was, and one time, he got hit in the groin, just by accident, when, like, oh, yeah. playing football or something. It happens, <laughs> like right? It's a natural it's, part of life yeah, at some point. it's... It's part of the human experience. <laughs> and uh, I guess, like, yeah, like, it, it wasn't fun. And he somehow, like, as a grade three, told her what happened at school. So she made him wear, like, a jock strap every day to school. Oh, my god! I'm not, I know, I'm not joking. Made him wear a cup to grade three. The kid was sitting there in math class wearing a cup. Was, like, this is stuff, this is, like, TV quality, oh bizarre stuff. Parenting behavior, yeah. like anything you can imagine. Um, and somehow she let him play hockey goalie, the most like the position where you get things shot at you. And she was always like freaking out. And anyways, um, it was just, it was bizarre. And the guy like, he grew up to be okay, all things, but he actually grew up, I think, to be a little bit um, he, like more socially uh, capable than you would think. But he kind of didn't like his mom is the best way to put it. Like, yeah. like the relationship was strained because at some point the kid's either going to just like tuck under the wing for a long time, like way too long, yeah. or he's going to rebel because he's like, this is insane. I'm not wearing a cup to math class in grade eight. Mm-hmm. Like it's an extreme example, but it, it's definitely something that's there. Um, and that's something parents are going to have to figure out on their own because it's like you yeah. said, some kids can never grow up and never know what to do even in their 20s but some kids are ready to take on responsibility at 13 yeah and you have to know your kid 
And that comes down to like social media as well. Like some parents ask me, what do we do with kids on social media? And like how much freedom do we give them? And the answer is that you got to know your kid. Yeah. Like some kids I would trust at grade eight on social media where there's like 18 year old people who there's, (laughs) I don't even trust my dad on Facebook anymore. (laughs) Like it's only a matter of time before some political post is up there. My dad is like one of the most well-known trolls on Beaumont Talks. And it's really... I had a, I had a, a friend oh, of ours, uh, his name's Alex, texted me the other day. He's like, your dad's always commenting on Beaumont Talks. He's like, he's the biggest troll I've ever seen. He's always like making fun of people. I'm like, yeah, that's... Father like son. I want to hide. I don't troll. I troll in real life, not on Beaumont Talks. Um, but I just want to hide under a rock sometimes. So so yeah, you got you to gotta trust... Um, build trust and and they have to prove themselves to you i think yeah so you really like you said you need to know your kid and you need to find that balance of how much should i like watch over what they're doing because social media can be a like a dangerous place and if they're have no oversight on it like a ton of things could happen that could be like damaging to your kid or other people cyberbullying. there's like we said last time on the podcast like is everywhere on the internet and Mm -hmm. uh, very easily accessible and that's dangerous so but you also need to give them some freedom because like we just said you can't helicopter them and that's not going to do anyone any good Um, so find that balance and um, still be cautious but still be ready to let your kid make their own decisions at some point make their own mistakes or and making or mistakes go. is okay yeah you want to like negate major mistakes but every kid's gonna make a mistake mm-hmm. they just need to learn from it i guess that that leads into the next question then uh and it's on screen time when we're looking at the stats on gen z it was talking about how the minimum amount of time that they spend is four hours a day on a screen which we think is pretty low yeah but so that is the minimum because it's easy to watch YouTube or Netflix for four hours. Like, last, last night for about an hour in bed. After midnight, I watched how to cook a steak different ways. And it was all the same, but it was an hour. That was an hour of my night. It was a poor decision as an adult who had to work the next morning, but I did it. So you can only imagine how easy it is for some of these kids to watch. Yeah, It's like there's so many apps out there with so many different things to watch. Like YouTube's a big one, but Twitch, oh, yeah. like people watching – and like. People watching people play video games on apps. It's a real thing. I'm not making that up. That's a major thriving industry. Esports, being watching people play video games. So instead of watching uh, people play real basketball, like in the NBA, people will watch people play 2K18, which is the basketball video game. Yeah. And like, it's actually impressive some of the things that some of these people can do. But that's like a multi million dollar industry and it's growing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I forget, it was uh, Vince McMahon, the guy who's running, runs WWE Wrestling and, like, the XFL. The, he just invested, like, tens, it might have even been millions of dollars into esports. Yeah. Because it's, it's just, it's the future. Like, yeah. this is a real thing that kids are watching. They're well, not just playing like, video games, they're watching people play them. If the last generation or two generations, whatever, um, grew up playing sports, then it's natural to watch people play those sports. But if you grew up playing video games then it's natural to watch people play video games because that's, like, it's weird for an older person to be like, why would you watch someone play video games? But 
the same thing. Why would you watch someone play a sport? Like it's the why? same in their in their heads. Why would you watch someone play darts on TV? Is my question. <laughs> Listen, you watch your mouth. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like my dad will sit there and watch darts, and it just blows my mind. I'm like, I, I agree. Would rather I watch paint dry. Have you seen the people that go to those shows though in like Europe? These people yeah. are like, there's. They, hundreds and hundreds of people and they're freaking out yeah. <laughs> and all these darts players have like mohawks and purple and pink and green hair and they've become like it's like wrestling with so darts weird. i think it's dumb <laughs> but people like it for some reason they want like it's on it's tv, on TV. <laughs> people are making thousands i'm assuming millions of dollars at the highest level yeah. to throw a, a, a toothpick at a wall <laughs> Now, lawn darts, that I would watch people play. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. Lawn darts were discontinued for killing people because they were just giant darts you threw in the air and they landed on your lawn. And I have some somewhere. My grandparents gave them to me, but they are incredibly dangerous. Like, you should not let your kids play. Parent tip number one, <laughs> don't let your kids play lawn darts. <laughs> don't think it's a huge issue. That okay. or Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> Equally bad for kids. I yeah, just, I, right. We should say Minecraft isn't inherently bad, but no. like the addiction that some of these kids have, and like if especially children developing their social skills are developing their social skills from Minecraft, there's a lot of well for many video games. Absolutely, I guess Minecraft may be worse than others. Depends. Like some video games are inherently more cohesive, I guess, or like you talk to your friends online or. Whatever, so, but some of it is also the culture that's built around these. Like yeah. you have to remember, it's it's because of the internet. Maybe parents don't know this. There's it's not just the video game that dictates how a kid responds to it. There's a culture of an online community around these games. So like if you're into Minecraft or your kids into Minecraft or now Fortnite or something like that, they're not just playing these games, and it's not just what these games are like broadcasting to them information wise. They're going on to Reddit, which is a website, um, and having online community and chatting with people, or it's over their their headset. They're talking to people about it, or they're on different forums, or what would be the equivalent of what in the early two thousands was a chat room, right? Or they're, yeah. they're they're following Instagram pages, and and there's a culture that's built and a community that's built in the same way that they would join a club or be a part of something at school. And these are all just on the online version of it. And some of these games have a lot more negative community than others. And I think that some of the social structures of, of um, uh, Minecraft lead to a lack of social skills just by who it seems to attract. Not that, not that everyone who plays it is bad or that it's a bad game for kids to play, but have you guys noticed that a little bit with like the Minecraft kids? Yeah, there's some videos on YouTube of like of Minecraft, like um, they did. Uh, what's it called? Like not like a Comic Con, but a gathering of Minecraft. Yeah, players. and it was just like, and so like some creators of Minecraft were there, and there's there were these kids asking them like the panel questions, and right. it was like the most cringy. Like, but like these twelve year olds that like had like no social skills. That yeah, yeah. Um, but that seems to be the general sense of that group of yeah the people. culture like of that the 12 game year olds that in are particular <laughs> honestly and this might be a, like a, this is not as a pastor this is as someone who just genuinely cares about your kids if you can limit the amount of time your young kids are playing minecraft 
That's probably in everyone's best interest. <laughs> well, like I've played Minecraft with my friends, and I well, think it's fun for like a I, night. But I played it, and I was bad at it. <laughs> I think that you can play it, but if you see like in anything, addictive behavior or too often. Yeah. So, what do we recommend parents? Like, what do what should they replace screen time with, and kind of how much do we think is a healthy balance of of screen time in life? And that's that's hard, right? Like, yeah. how do you? There's no magic number. But I think that I've seen too many parents who try to be like, well, there's an issue with too much screen time, so we're just not going to let them on it. Yep. Like half hour a day, no internet. That's not realistic either because then you, you want to talk about having socially awkward kids. They need to be able to function where their friends are. Yeah. And that's in video games, that's on Instagram, that's on social media. You never want a knee-jerk reaction to anything. Mm-hmm. But there's this like inherent like fear that because we've heard even back 10 years ago of people you know hunting down your kids these to catch a predator uh on cbs right like leopards what's that (laughs) (laughs) not talking about national geographic to catch a predator these videos of people trapping lions (laughs) much more interesting less (laughs) less dangerous but no like these shows where they're trying to like um catch these perverts right who are trying to lure kids and meeting them on chat rooms got news for parents chat rooms aren't like as they were don't exist like it's not really an issue it's everywhere else and um but people are scared of the online bullying and the hate mail or the hate pages or whatever it is those happen but you can't just live in fear of that type of stuff right it's like not letting your kids go to school because sometimes kids do drug drugs there right yeah um so so it's about finding balance. I think it is about finding, knowing your kid, for one. If your kid shows signs of addictive behavior in general, and it like and is like having a mental breakdown every time you tell them to put down the screen, you might want to put some rules in place. Yeah. But if like your kid doesn't really have an issue with it, like, I don't know, I wouldn't put too much, I wouldn't be too worried about it. But you probably like, four hours is a long time. Yeah. I would throw out there that, you don't need more than four hours a day. That might be an argument, but I don't think it's going to be an issue. Now, uh, something else I would be more worried about is like what time of day your kids are on their devices. True. I'd, I'd say if they're... Yeah, like it should be if you're going to have them on their devices, make sure you're around or like, may, like after they're in their bed, say like no devices. Because it's just like... Logic. pornography is still growing like it's everywhere and it's still getting bigger and that's probably like my biggest fear with like technology is that that's everywhere and you parents need to be really cautious about that because it's like one of the most addicting things oh it, it's and, a cultural and like i mean the word phenomena in a negative way yeah like it it is shaping culture yeah and it is completely. We're we're only beginning to now see some of the, the, twists on what it's doing to the human psyche. Mm-hmm. The point where it's not even just churches. There's like there's non-church groups, non-religious groups that are 100% on board. Like, hey, scientifically, psychologically, this is ruining everyone. It's so ruining stop. relationships, marriages, like how we treat one another yeah like it's it's, it's yeah terrible. how how young kids view the opposite sex before they even are really attracted to the opposite sex yeah like it's it is completely ruining our world um and that's that's a major issue so 
Yeah, d- honestly, don't let your kids have computers in their room. And don't let them have their their phones or their iPods or their iPads or whatever in their room yeah. um, with the door shut or even where there's nobody else. Like, you might have some arguments on that, but, like, as a kid, I would have been mad about that, but, like, it's for the best. Yeah. Or, I guess if you get Covenant Eyes on your phone. Which is a program. Which is a yeah. program that sends you emails if, there's, if they're on any websites that... Right. It basically it tracks their entire. It, you have to pay for it, and it you install it on their their devices. devices. But I would highly recommend it for any parent. It's called Covenant Eyes. You can just Google that, and it will show up. Um, and you pay a little bit of money, and it will show literally everything that your kid goes to. Another decent one is called Triple X Church. It's not as good. Um, it's a little easier to get around. At the end of the day, though, your kids are going to find ways around technology yes yeah, so they're gonna find careful. loopholes they're smart they're living in that world so you need to be um you know all over that but the biggest thing beyond just setting up like i don't want to say traps but you know checkpoints is a better word um we they need to have an ongoing dialogue with you yeah and it's awkward talking about porn with your eight-year-old you know you need to, to taper each or taper you need to to tailor each conversation per kid and, and what age they're at. But but you need to begin that dialogue early and have an open relationship on that type of stuff. Like, it can't be too awkward to at least talk about on some level. Yeah. And and to explain, this is why we don't want you on here. It's not that we don't want you on it because... It's not just it's, some rule to have Don't say it's bad for you. They, they need to know why. Yeah. Because then what happens when you're not around? Well, then even... It, if they go on an extra hour and nothing bad happens, well, mom and dad are wrong. It's not bad for me, but it's the realization that there are bad things out there and we're trying to be in your best interest and take care of you. And um, if you're going to limit screen time, like I don't like reading, but I kind of wish I would have been forced to read a little bit more because I see the value of it now. Right. Um, If you can get your kids healthy hobbies like musical instruments, honestly, I hated practicing when I was a teenager, but I'm so thankful that I had music lessons now. Yeah. Um, get your kids in sports, like get them living healthy, get them in communities where they can learn how to interact with people, even if it's hard at first. Like if your kid is naturally an introvert or socially um, kind of awkward, that's fine, but you need to, they can't live like that forever. Mm-hmm. Like you need to push them out of their comfort zones and that's a natural part of life. So push them slowly and help them and like make sure they know the why they're doing these things you're doing like they you said with the internet too but there's so many things that maybe we're missing out on because parents just let their kids be on the screens for you know 10 hours a day minimum four hours a day but seriously yeah so so another stat that we brought up was the fact that they're super in generation z uh, super into like leadership opportunities and they're career driven. So just cool. Yeah, it's and which is a little bit different than us, right? We were joking that we're the go find ourselves and travel, <laughs> yeah. um, backpack through Europe for two days until we realized we didn't make enough money to actually go for an extended amount of time. Um, but that's our generation. But this generation like really cares about money and business, and some of that comes from growing up in recessions and stuff like that. Um, again, going under the, the value of having these kids be serving Jesus when they're 30, um, maybe if you guys want to share a little bit about 
different ways parents can engage their kids um, in church roles that would help to fit that 30 and following Christ, but also maybe connect with that inherent desire for leadership? Yeah. Um, I think knowing your kid and knowing where they can serve is important, obviously. Um, like no one likes to serve in the church somewhere that they hate. <laughs> um, so find what they're good at at a young age and, and invest in that. Um, whether it's some like um, being in children's church or setting up chairs or coffee or whatever. But um, I think it's important to for them to see the value of what they're doing. So just like clearly explain like, hey, we're here serving the church in this way because like people need Jesus and we're setting up this place that can reach people. And this is really important um, so that they're not just like, oh, great, my parents are dragging me to church so I can work for them like for, <laughs> no, for no reason, right? So um, I think that's one way. And when you take ownership in something, you're so much more invested. And I think that's really important for these kids is finding somewhere where they feel like they have a big enough role that it's it's their church and it's yeah. their community. So they want to invest in it. And they feel valued that way from the church as well. Like, Absolutely. Gee. And even raising your kids of like, just because they don't have maybe the title of children's ministry volunteer or they're not in charge of an area, it doesn't mean that there isn't a leadership opportunity as the church kid. We encourage our church kids a lot on a Friday night to kind of be the example for these other kids who don't know who Jesus is. Like they're on our, like on a Friday night, they're our missionaries. They are the ones who they know Jesus and they're the ones who need to show these kids what that means and what that looks like in life. So even if they don't, or if you don't feel like they're ready for that exact maybe title of you know, children's ministry volunteer, or they're not ready to kind of step into that role, you should be raising them from the very beginning that they are, as Christ followers and as Christians, they have a leadership role in just being a steward of God's love. I think another thing is when there are leadership opportunities that are defined uh, as parents to encourage them to do it. Um, even talk to the youth pastor or youth leadership team about different ways their kid can get involved. It might not always look exactly like how their kid wants. Like I might not have a spot in concession because maybe there's that's an overfilled spot um, if that's what they wanted to do. Or maybe we don't actually need that much going on with lights and sound, although there, there's honestly usually a spot there to at least learn something. Um, so if your kid has an ear for music and you, uh, you're looking to get them engaged, we would love to have more sound people who we could train. Um, that's just a little plug, but <laughs> but stuff like that. There's always going to be a role. There's always, there are defined roles. And I think one of our focuses is to find more definable leadership positions for a student leadership team. That's something we're going to be um, increasing our capacity for in the next little while here. Yeah. Um, but encourage them to find it. Uh, don't wait for your kid to do it themselves and be like, oh, I can't wait. Because as much as a teenager values these types of things, it's uh, it's actually they're still teenagers, and they're not always going to they're not always going to be like that driven to do stuff. They're still going to be lazy at moments. I'm lazy about things I'm passionate about all the time, right? Like it's just human nature. It doesn't mean I'm not passionate that I am not like hunting down opportunities sometimes, um, and especially we all know teenagers have that tendency. So. 
um, just to encourage them and ask them questions about it, I think is important. Uh, another point or topic that I think is really important to touch on is uh, not removing your kids from the community, even if it like freaks you out or like you're scared of the culture. Like it doesn't take very long for us to look at the world around us and be like, oh, this, there's a lot of negative influences in TV and at schools and at different like sports teams. Um, you don't like, this goes to helicopter parenting again, but, and I'm not going to say that you shouldn't homeschool your kids. Um, I think there's probably good reasons to homeschool your kids, but I would tell you that one of them would not be to remove them from the culture and remove them from the community that they, that they're going to like live in for the rest of their lives. Because, um, number one, like, like we've said, your kids are, are missionaries. School is one of the greatest missions fields. We complain that elementary schools and public schools are godless. Well, we've rem if we remove ourselves and we remove Christian kids from it, there will be no God in there by our design. We've given up that battle, right? Now, obviously, you need to be like, it's going to take work and you need to be able to like shelter your kids from specific things. And there are things that are being taught in school that I think probably you want to be really aware of and Maybe you take preemptive steps against. But the problem is nobody wants to be the kid who, when sex ed starts up, had to leave the class. Did yeah. you ever have one of those? <laughs> yeah. Or were you ever one of those? I, no, I wasn't. I just, I just remember there was always like one or two kids and there's like, Tim has to leave the class now because yeah. we're going to talk about sex. We're, we're talking about... Like yeah, like the human body. Yeah, like, he wasn't allowed to be there yeah. to learn. I'm like, and then we're learning these things. I'm like, I'm already aware that these parts exist. <laughs> is, is Tim scary? Is this too scary for Tim? What's wrong with Tim? But seriously, it, it makes kids pick up on that stuff. Yeah, you don't want to make them into complete social outcasts by design, um, and we don't want to remove Christian kids from from the schools and the places they're in. Hockey teams in the community need Christian kids. Schools need Christian kids. Um, and not just to pick on homeschoolers, but if we remove them completely, um, and if that's the reason we remove them, I don't think it's a... a we're just giving in, mm -hmm. giving up. Um, so, yeah. Any of you guys have any thoughts? That's kind of just like a, an extra little thought I had. but Yeah, no, it pretty much covers it. Just be a part of your community because that's what being Christ-like Well, is. then what happens when you're 30 and you've never engaged in a challenging conversation about your faith? Or yeah. you go to college, and then they tell you that the Bible is garbage, and if you believe in Jesus, then you're a bigot and a loser, and you're an idiot, like, basically. Yeah. Then how do they even, how do they fight back on that? It's true. You have to teach them while they're young and while you still have that voice of influence over them to deal with those situations rather than just shelter them from it. Because the reality is, at some point in their life, they're going to come up. And while they're young and impressionable and you have the opportunity to kind of walk alongside them through these moments, that's when you want these to be happening rather than later on in life where maybe they're a little bit, they're on their own and they don't have someone there who can kind of walk them through it. Do it while they're young and do it while you still have that voice of reason and you're able to kind of control where it goes. You want them to challenge their faith in a controlled environment. We still want them to challenge their faith. They need to know their own faith, but it needs to be a safe place. And that's what youth groups and church should be. To actually have doubt and talk through doubt. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, let them do that at 14, not at 22 or 20 when they're surrounded by people that actually might hate them based on their, their views, right? Yeah. 
Uh, so the last one, this is a little longer than the 15 minutes that we thought it was going to be, but some good, some good conversation. No, I think sums up. That's great. Um, and this is the, probably the biggest one that I can think of. Raising your kid in a Gen Z world in the culture of today. And this is a, one that's tough. Um, prioritize church. I don't know how many times I've seen parents, not just at this church or talking to other youth pastors, but say, you know what? my kid isn't connecting or they turn their kid turns 15 and 16 or a young adult and like can you meet with my kid because he's not following jesus and i'm worried or whatever and sometimes that's just going to happen you could do everything in your power a kid could be totally plugged into church and the kids are going to make decisions that are going to hurt you and that's sad and we're always happy to meet with those people i'm not saying that that's something that we don't aren't capable of doing or, or don't want to do but the fact is I've seen lots of situations where kids go from grade six to grade seven and are never made to go to youth and never do anything other than sit through a sermon on their phone on a Sunday morning and don't engage in anything. Never, never take that next step. And they never really develop a faith in the teenage years or hockey or dance becomes more important. Uh, music becomes more important not fighting with their kid about coming to church or not is more important. And then they find themselves in a situation where their kid has no faith because they were never challenged to do that. Mm -hmm. And if there's no priority put in being engaged in church in your developmental teenage years, they're going to have no value for church in their 20s and 30s and 40s. Yeah. And that's scary. But I've seen that so many times. Like it just happens always where if you don't value church and make them value church, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think parents need to to model that. We see that sometimes too, where parents aren't aren't engaged in anything. If you're not serving in ele- any element of this church, are your kids going to have any of a desire to do that? Like they watch you, yeah. especially as like little kids. If if dad's there every once a month or whatever the the schedule is to set up chairs, and they know that, they're going to start to emulate that in other areas. They're going to want to find ways to serve. And they're going to see when they're older that that was like the hard jobs are valuable. And, and because dad did, or mom did that, um, they're going to have that ingrained in them. Yeah. And, and these kids can see the truth behind like like what you're doing. Like I feel like they can just see that if you don't care, like if you show up on a Sunday just because you're trying to be a good person and that's kind of all you do every every so often, like we're glad you're there and you're coming to church, but your kids are going to see that my parents don't really care about this. Like they sort of care, but they're they're not engaged. They're not engaged. And there's, this isn't something that's their number one priority. So it's not going to be my priority. Like, and they're just, they're going to care about it less than you. If that's, if you don't model that it's, it's like the most important thing as it should be. Um, That's a challenge to all of us to put the church first before what we want and what we desire. Yeah. And not just church attendance, but engagement no, in the mission of the church and what we're called to be. Yeah. I always say this, and this is a harsh term, but I mean it. I don't care if your kid may, isn't, it isn't just to pick on hockey parents. You can plug in any high level of whatever your kid's into. I don't care if your kid wins the Stanley Cup if he goes to hell. Yeah. Right? Like, that's a sobering thought. Like, it's great. A millionaire on TV best dancer, professional musician, whatever your kid's into. 
if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's completely valueless. Yeah. It's dirt and it's useless. Um, I would rather see kids who could make the NHL quit hockey at 15 and follow Jesus at 30. And if someone's hearing this and they that like kind of chafes with you or makes you mad, kind of reassess your priorities as a parent. I don't believe that there's lots of parents that would disagree or maybe any. But if it is, then you have to really think about what you're saying there. And you have to evaluate what you're doing each week because you can kind of live it's easy to live your life mindlessly almost and to just say okay no i'm committed to hockey so i'll go to hockey and church will be second without actually realizing what that means that means church is second in your priorities really so is that does that match up with what you believe make sure that what you believe matches up with how you're living that doesn't mean you can't be a good Christian and successful in sports. No, absolutely. You can be a can. great example to your hockey team. We're just talking about that. Mm-hmm. But you need to model that for your kids and you need to encourage them to be engaged in at least some level of church. And I'm not saying that if you miss a Sunday or two or whatever, yeah. that it's the end of the world. Or It's not all about Sundays. It's about small groups. It's about youth engagement. Listen, you could fill your week with church stuff and that could be too much. I get that. But there needs to be a regular engagement in ministry yeah. and serving and, and not just sitting in a chair on your phone. You're not doing anybody a, a favor by sitting on your phone in church. Like, congratulations, you sat there for an hour. Good for you. Nothing was accomplished by that. I don't need you to sit there. You need to be there, right? So, And I'm not trying to be angry. I'm getting all angry in this podcast now. But it's it's, it's important stuff. Yeah. Um. It's life and death stuff. Um, So that's super important. But the good news is that if you take all of these five things, you'll have a perfect kid. (laughs) And it's just that simple. You're welcome. Um, There you go. Parenting 101, this 30-minute podcast. Three people who aren't parents. (laughs) Who have no kids. Yeah, we are parent experts at the church. Um, I had two goldfish and they died. So that's the (laughs) And a beta fish that also died. Yeah, so really, that, that was not my fault. Somebody and tried to clean him and threw him on, not clean him, clean his <laughs> tank and threw him on the ground. And he got, he got hurt and wasn't okay after that. So yeah. that wasn't my Physically, fault. Physically, they died. But I think spiritually, Jeff had a good handle on them. Yeah, I, I knew spiritually, psychologically. <laughs> Metaphysically. Metaphysically. Um, so anyways... We're not. We're aware that we're not parents and that we don't have all the answers. But like we said, the the hope is that you're gonna get some tips from these podcasts, and some of them might be this length or a little shorter. Um, if you have any questions or any uh, topics you would like explored, uh, you can go and email me at jeff at eaglemontchurch.ca, or you can just phone the church, and I'd be happy to talk to you. As always, if you have like bigger questions or you got any struggles as a parent. Um, or things we would like help with, uh, we would love to go for coffee with you and just uh, see how we can help. That's really why we're here. It's not just to run programming, but it's to partner with parents uh, in raising their kids and and striving towards the goal of seeing adults mm-hmm. uh, and thirty year olds who have made it through this made it through the structures we have in place, but at the end of the day are serving Jesus. So uh, we're in this together, and uh, we just we want to be available uh, in any way that we can be. So. That's all we have for this week, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.